Hey, hey, guys, welcome back to another edition of the Power Hour. I'm your host, Ray Russell, and joining me this time, once again, he was such a success last time, I'm bringing him back. It's the Eye of Gibson, at the Eye of Gibson on Twitter. Welcome back, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, feedback I got is I sound a little too Canadian. Uh, there's really <laughs> nothing I can do about that. So uh, I'm going to try. I'll, I'll try to, to not use the A's and the boots and whatnot. But uh, I had a good time last time. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it was uh, my pleasure. For the guy, for anybody who doesn't know, if you're into wrestling and you're into parodies and, and you can actually laugh at things, I encourage you to go over to Twitter and follow at the Eye of Gibson or check him out, see what he's all about. He likes to have a little fun on there. And uh, if you if you find him offensive, he is in no way affiliated with me. Anyway, <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm happy to have you. I'm I'm happy to have you back here again. That was a fun time last time, and now we're gonna look at the AEW show here. It's a Revolution 2021. And it all kicks off with the buy-in. A revolution. <laughs> it was a, it was something. <laughs> it was a lot of words. I don't know that yeah. revolution was one of them. So they start off with the pre-show. They call it the buy-in here, which makes sense. Uh, they kick things off with a tag team match. I know you wanted to talk about that. It was Dr. Britt Baker and the surprise debut of Maki Ito taking on the team of Rio and Riho, as Jim Cornette says, and Thunder Rosa. <laughs> I know you had something to say about. I'm gonna let you do it. I had it on my screen. But I was doing a bunch of shit, you know, when I was getting ready for the pay-per-view. So I really didn't watch the whole thing. So I'll let you have at it. Well, I, I had a buddy over to watch the pay-per-view with me. We've got a little bit of re re relaxed restrictions now. So we were watching, and I ordered this early in the morning, so I paid the $50. But you're right. It's the buy-in. This is like, this is traditional pay-per-view. That's your, this is your last-ditch effort at getting people to buy this pay-per-view. Yeah, and <laughs> you're, I already I, see I where like you're going. Thunder Rosa, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what that Maki Ito was or what. I, 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 you should go back and watch it if you, if you can, because I saw she came out hollering in Japanese, and I had no clue what's going on, and this did not make me want to buy this pay-per-view. It made me want to get a refund, and I, I just can't believe that that was the presentation they used to entice people to buy this, and other than that, like I didn't really pay attention either, so I don't even know who won the match. But that's all I really had on that. If you, if you wanting people to decide to spend this money, I would have something a little uh, a little better than that. Right. No, and I agree with you. I, there's, you know, that's funny. I was actually conversating with someone on Skype during the pay per view, and he was kind of feeding me some of the stuff that you know his opinion, and that was our our thought process when I was watching that free buy in. Was this is what you stick? on the pre-show to get me to want to buy the pay-per-view. If I haven't made up my mind yet, you're going to make me run away. I mean, it was not good in any sense of the imagination. I know Maki Ito wound up replacing Rebel, who was supposed to be in this tag team match. It was the lady on the outside with the crutch. And what happens here in the finish right. is um, Riho, she dives out down onto Ito, so they kind of get eliminated from the match there at that point. Thunder Rosa eats a thrust kick. She's then... Pushed past the referee, and then Rebel swings the uh, crutch up into Rosa's face. Rosa stumbles back, and then Britt Baker with the, the quick pinfall to pick up the win here. It was really a nothing match, and it went 14 minutes and 50 seconds. That's a long time for it a pre-show match. It did, and it was the first red flag of many during this uh, <laughs> presentation, or I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, yeah, that was a huge red flag for me already. And I, I'm not going to lie, I was looking forward to this and i also tweeted you or dm'd you that i said that I, i'm sure this will be better than the elimination chamber you did yes you did oh was i wrong <laughs> i thought you were right you know i mean 
I don't expect much from anything. WWE, AEW, yeah, anyone anymore. That I way, shouldn't either. That way, if they deliver, I'm happy. If they don't deliver, it's what I expected. So they even under-delivered for me, though. That's how bad this winds up being here by the end of the, the pay-per-view. And speaking of the pay-per-view, they do kick things off right. There's a graphic of Jim Crockett Jr. shown, which I thought was really cool respect there, especially yep, with Cody's absolutely. dad, Dusty, you know, booking the, those hot years in the mid-'80s there. So very cool. And they kick things off with a really big big match, a tag team title match, the Young Bucks taking on MJF and Chris Jericho from the inner circle. The Young Bucks, uh, they'd never make it in NXT from that sl- thigh slapping. You've seen the reports now of Vince putting up signs, no more thigh did, slapping. Yeah. They're, they're being fined for slapping their thighs. Uh, Good for him. By by the end of every month, the Young Bucks would owe Vince money, I'd imagine, at this point. Well, and <laughs> it's not just them. It's everybody. Like, oh, yeah. Now they're going to have to untrain themselves to do doing what they all do now. Uh, hey, good for him. Yeah, get rid of that uh, shit already. Like, I, I'm no Young Bucks fan for sure. And I will say, though, before you go over this, I sure. thought this was probably the best match on the show. I can see opinion. why. I can see why. But uh, I do have my... Uh, my issues with the match. Uh, Jim Ross, for instance, poor guy. Uh, he did get better as the night went on. But here, Jim Ross is yeah, the man. Like herbal tea. <laughs> yes, the hot tea, he said. Got him through the paper. It yeah. did It did wind up working eventually. I'm thinking that's code for J- Jack Daniels. I'm not really sure. That's, but, uh, that's exactly what I said to my buddy. He's probably hammered. <laughs> <laughs> as we kick the pay-per-view off, though, Jim Ross, JR, he sounds like he swallowed a spike dildo. <laughs> it, it, it does get better though thank god i thought he should just take a couple matches off maybe come back maybe it'd be a little better but he did get better surprisingly i was happy about that because i need tony and jr on there excalibur does nothing for me no no i, I don't even know what that guy's talking about so well he like he's a mark for himself he puts shit puts him over puts himself over he ran, randomly name drops people like on this pay-per-view he was like super delphin i'm like get the fuck out of here man yeah. who <laughs> 1997 tape trading man come on uh, so anyways, the match gets going. Jim Ross, I noted on several occasions, I heard him do that. You've heard JR talk in passing, and he kind of ticks some of the AEW guys off when he talks about some of the moves they're doing that should be finishers and all these For nonsensical sure. yeah. spots in the matches. At least three occasions during this match, JR condescendingly repeated uh, on the insane finishers that weren't finishes. He said, this should be it. That should have been it. <laughs> and he shouldn't be able to kick out of this. Almost like he's telling them don't kick out uh, they can't hear him obviously and it's not the finish so they're going to keep going jericho just could not keep up here he missed a lot of this match on the floor i wrote and i know this is going to offend you a little bit but i wrote go away old man i'm, I'm tired of seeing jericho yeah. in these matches with these he's, young guys yeah he looks awful he's getting blown up i think that i heard a stat he's he's 10 years older than when hogan went to wcw initially i think well, he's better than that then, I think, right? He could still do a little more than that, but he looks like shit. And he... For sure. But, yeah, like, just w- when saying Hogan was old when he got to WCW, right. my point, and, like, Jericho's 10 years older, and, like, wow, like, he he looks he looks awful. Well, he's not going anywhere, not unless, you know, Fozzie gets, you know, a multi-billion dollar deal somewhere. And I don't think that's happening. <laughs> no, definitely not. MJF might as well have been working in handicap match here. Jericho did absolutely nothing for most of the match. I got offended at one point. They did a spot with MJF, the Young Bucks, where they took turns super kicking him eight times. Yes. Mr. Gibson, eight times. And he didn't go down until a double super kick. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, but that slobber coming out of his was a nice touch, I thought. <laughs> 
Is that what kept him up? It was about a a foot and a half long slobber coming out of his mouth after the last super kick. These guys are fucking just, I, I don't know, man. I just wish they, they'd listen to, there's no way Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard and these guys are backstage telling these guys this is okay. So it makes me think like, is Arn and Tully and all of them, are they really just here for a payday? Because they, they, they're clearly not listening to these guys. I would think so. (laughs) Yeah. I mean. Well, aren't out there with who's who of people they could talk to and ask advice then it's obvious like there's jake is there too well i think right? that's the issue i don't think they're asking for advice they know it all right well i don't know which is which but the one with the beard i could see him passing as a wrestler the other one the kind of the, the skinnier balding one guy, uh i think he's the younger one too actually like he doesn't look anything like a wrestler <laughs> to me i think yeah opinion. i think yeah, the uh, the one as you call him, the one with the beard. I think he's definitely the more talented of the two, too. Not just by lo- yeah. looking at him, just in the ring as well. Well, it's just the whole presentation. He's got some muscle definition. He's got a tan. He's not losing his hair. He's like, trying to look the part. <laughs> he, he's he I, he's not super huge, but I I can at least I can, I can suspend disbelief and say okay, that guy's a wrestler. But the other one, no, not at all. And we go to the finish late in the match. Uh, Jericho winds up hitting a Judas effect accidentally on Wardlow. And then a few moments later, it's the shitty Meltzer driver on Jericho. Young, and I call it shitty this time. They were Their timing was off. The tombstone was going down before the... Yeah, they, they didn't connect. But that won't be the last time the timing was off on, a, on an explosive move tonight. As the <laughs> shitty Meltzer driver picks up the win here for the Young Bucks. 17 minutes and 50 seconds. And by the way, Mr. Gibson, speaking of Meltzer... Did you know that Excalibur was announced as announcer of the year on the Observer Awards? Fucking Mark is the announcer. I believe I, I think <laughs> I did hear that. Yeah, unbelievable. I don't know who voted for him. I I don't know, dude. I I think some of this shit's rigged somewhere, some way. Well, all those awards I, I read, and I don't think like not that it's good, but they had the top ten wrestling shows, and I don't think Raw was even in the top ten. Well, that could uh, be accurate. Be, it may be accurate. The Elite was, was third. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, you see where that this is YouTube going. Show. Right, right. Yeah. With the Bucks and whatnot, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I, yeah, I think it's absurd that Raw isn't at least, it's got to be even for production value alone in the top ten. But No, people are watching it. I mean, here it, nor there. Look at the ratings for Raw versus some of these other shows that probably were on that top ten, and you got to call bullshit. I, I mean, it's just, it is what it is, but we move on with the Casino Tag Team Royale. It's Royal Rumble rules. A new tag team comes in every 90 seconds. Both members of the team have to be eliminated for the team to be completely eliminated. And I wrote twice as many people in this match in only 90 second intervals. They don't have a lot of faith in these guys. Mind you, this is 15 teams. This is even all the teams in the company. If you add all the other teams up, there's over 20 teams in this fucking company. Absolutely fucking I, ridiculous. Well, yeah, I, I caught. Uh, I was kind of pissed off that Doctor Luther wasn't. In. <laughs> Who was going to be his partner? Did you have somebody He's in mind? He's got a partner that uh, they're called the Chaos Project. Oh, see, so you know more than I, I do. I know see? this because well, I, I know this because uh, well, I was watching the PN News Junior and we we Googled it last night because. He's oh, got a okay. luchador partner, and we're like, well, why the hell is Dr. Luther not in there? Like, he's he's one of their top hands in this company. Like, he, there's no favor for him to get in the company. Like, this guy's a Winnipeg legend. Oh, I'm sure. He looked like one when I saw him, and I thought it was Gangrel for a split second and realized it was just Jericho's buddy from way back when. Exactly. 
<laughs> so why isn't he not in the battle royal and why is he not winning? Oh, yeah. That's if you can't work your friend into a battle royal, you're not a very good friend. I'm telling yeah, you that. he was right in the front row. He was he was clapping lots for that buy-in match, I tell you what. <laughs> so the winner of this Royale gets a tag team title shot at the Young Bucks. Uh, I'm just going to run down the notes I have here, and we'll kind of talk about it at the end. It's um, number one team is Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall, the Natural Nightmares. Of course, they got to start off because it's Dustin Rhodes. Number two, Dark Order. That's uh, number five and number ten, I suppose. Number three in with Santana and Ortiz. Number four, the Seidel brothers, Matt and Mike Seidel. More Dark Order, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson in at five. Six is Billy Gunn's kids, the Gun Club, Austin and Colton Gunn. Again, I wonder how they got on the show. Pretty Picture, I didn't even know this team. Pretty Picture, Cesar Bononi and Peter Avalon. I thought Bononi looked like a pretty big-looking dude here. He, he, was, uh, he was awful in the ring. Yeah, that's, that's, that's where it ended, though. So he had the size. He just doesn't really have the ability. At least now I couldn't tell here. And I just wrote indie spots galore. If you watch as each team gets in the ring, they know they have 90 seconds to get every move they possibly can in. And that's what they do. They hit the ring. They get to the center of the ring. It's power moves and high spots until the next team comes in and lather, rinse, repeat for the entire match. And at this point, QT Marshall actually eliminates the gun club who were apparently friends with the natural nightmares, which kind of upsets Dustin. Yeah, and then Dustin that was, uh, gives Marshall shit here, right? Right. And uh, Marshall is obviously extra sensitive because that lasted about five seconds before he decided to eliminate himself. Yeah, he just uh, he was not happy here. And fuck Dustin, too. Only one team can win this thing. I mean, who are you in this for, Dustin? Oh, You're trying to help Billy Gunn's kids out? He was, was showing them. <laughs> He was, he was doing the, the belt thing, you know? None of this makes... Do you want to win? Yeah. And it, you're right. Because they're timed here, and it's not cued like the WWE Rumble, where they're waiting for time cues, like, oh, this happened, now we send the next guy out. Uh, here, it's yeah, their it's actual legitimate 90-second intervals right there on the screen in front of us, so they can't gimmick this. So everybody's rushing around the ring to get all their fucking spots in and eliminations in, and the camera's missing everything, and... Yeah, it was it was atrocious. And I think that's why when Dustin started arguing with Marshall, he threw himself out immediately because he probably didn't have time to act, <laughs> act it out any further. Uh, the match went on. It was the Varsity Blondes, the wild Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. Bear Country, it was my first time seeing Bear Country, and they looked fucking awesome. I like me some Bear Country okay. here. So I, I thought you were going to glaze over Bear Country. Because, no, no. Uh, I was going to say that that was one of the highlights of this pay-per-view for me, seeing those guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> they were I awesome. a new act in current professional wrestling. There was, <laughs> it was Bronson Bear or Bear Bronson. Bear Bronson. Bear something else. Like, Bear Boulder. Uh, us, amazing. Boulder Bear. Builder Bear, right? Ten, th- oh. ten thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, they were, I wanted they, were, to win. they weren't bad. I mean, just the look alone was cool, but no, they actually they weren't just too big. Two big guys who can't really do anything. They were really impressive in there. Very strong. Did you see when one of those guys was grabbing his nuts there, trying to get him up for like a torture rack? Mm, like I didn't see that. He was really <laughs> digging in there. Oh, disgusting. So beautiful. Oh, yeah, Bear country. Look at it. What, a, what, a beautiful, what a beautiful tag team name. Bear country. You just got to love that. Yeah, I love it. There's, there's nothing I don't like about it. Uh, <laughs> bear country. I, I don't know if you noticed that one of the bear country guys did like a Michinoku driver onto another guy and then three minutes later somebody pile drove 
someone onto Tombstone. a guy and Shivani said, I've never seen that before. I'm like, well, right. you just saw it. Bear Country did it. Like, put him over. Fuck. Uh, Tony was probably doing something else. <laughs> I don't know. But I, they, I just, there, there were, that's, that's what sucked about this. Everybody was trying to get in all these crazy moves, a lot of which we probably haven't seen before, but there's no time to process them. Like I missed the one you're talking. Right. You said Tony missed. I missed that, but I saw the pile driver spot. So it's, yeah. So it was like two minutes before. I got you. I got you. As the My match keeps going left bear country. So <laughs> we just kept your eyes on them. I don't even know how they got eliminated. I'm a little curious how the bigger one went out. To be honest with you, I yeah, don't have that I, down here. I don't think they showed it. To be honest with you, yeah, I think they, they missed, missed a lot it. of eliminations, a lot of them, more than a half dozen. Yeah, I didn't understand the rules till halfway through the match, and actually until uh, QT eliminated himself. I just assumed that if you got eliminated, your team was eliminated. But there's a lot I don't understand about this. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. We're only in the second match on the pay per view. I understand a lot less <laughs> moving forward. After Bear Country comes the Jurassic Express. It's Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. I wrote they, they should have kept playing the theme because Tony Khan went and paid for Tarzan Boy, the 80s, the 80s song, and they play like five seconds of it here. What the fuck are you thinking? I love that. That's, that's the best part of that <laughs> that's act. That's the best part of their act. You're right. And, and uh, I don't even mind the look. I, I, I like the whole thing to a degree, the dynamic somewhat. I don't know. I could do without the midget dude. Yeah, I... I don't need to see him uh, ever again, but <laughs> I hope he got slingshot shot suplexed out of the fucking company, but I know that's not the case. Well, he, he was, wasn't he there? I thought he was there on ringside. Uh, if he was, and I missed it and thank God I did. I mean, he is, you know, uh, eye level with the apron. So that might be why I didn't see him yeah, out there. I, I'm pretty sure he was out there wearing like a, a black suit jacket. You know what? Now that you mention it, I kind of remember seeing him in the entrance. So that's, you're probably was, right. Was he not though? Didn't he not go in there and uh, give, uh, Frankensteiner to Evil Uno and or who was that who mm. did that? And he he went running down the apron and smashed himself into the post. Did you see that? Mm, I don't remember that spot. I don't know, man. This was chaotic. I'm, I'm going to tweet that to you later. You do that. I'll take. I'll take. I'll watch it. it. Well, you, or inside. So he gets eliminated. He okay. Takes a Frankensteiner. He goes over the top rope. But All right. The momentum carries him six feet running down the apron. I read about that. No, yes, I read about that. And I think I heard Brian Alvarez or someone talk about that spot too. So yeah, I missed it. But apparently it like once this happened, yeah, I, I heard about this spot. I I don't know how I missed this because I must've been doing something for a couple of minutes here. Cause I didn't see the butcher and blade coming. They were already in the ring when I turned my head back. And of course the bunny's out there. So I'm happy about that. And then this is about the time in the match where everybody starts diving out. Like 10 guys get eliminated. That might've had something to do with it too. The reason I didn't see that spot, but yeah, I remember I heard that it became an instant GIF on um, on Twitter. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, it's all it's all over the place. And uh, we move on. Uh, number twelve is Private Party. That's Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy, SCU Kazarian and uh, Christopher Daniels. In at thirteen, fourteen was the Death Triangle. Not really happy with the name of that group, but it's uh, the former Neville Pac and Ray Phoenix. And then fifteen was another the third team of Dark Order. So there's literally. Uh, 20% of this Royal Rumble was the Dark Order. Ridiculous. (laughs) Alex Reynolds and John Silver. And the final four come down to Jungle Boy, John Silver, and both members of the Death Triangle. And eventually it's uh, Jungle Boy and Ray Phoenix. They have a fun little fight there at the end, and it's uh, Phoenix going over. And my favorite part of this whole thing was Pac coming back in the ring and celebrating like they had done something special instead of pointing to a fucking sign on the wall. (laughs) Well, they didn't have a sign. Well, that's true. 
They, they need to get a sign, right? So they can do that they could, too. They could point to I, the, I just, the Daily's Place sign. Yeah, the Daily. They could point to the Daily's Place. We're headed back to Daily's Place. Is that where they, <laughs> is that where they run the uh, Dynamite show too? Yeah, it's like an outdoor venue just outside of the Jacksonville Jaguars like uh, stadium, and it, I guess they run like concerts and stuff like that there. Are they allowed so after like, that after that fizzle of an explosion? Are they even allowed to call their show Dynamite anymore? I wonder. You think? Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. Someone said there's there's no way they can call that show Dynamite. No, anymore. definitely not. So I did like that. I thought at first it was pretty cool that they were being legit with the legit clock, no cues, uh, no skewing time here. But then I realized when everybody started trying to get all their shit in, probably wasn't a good idea after all. So, but Phoenix does win a uh, somersault suicide dive into the crowd at one point too. And that move, uh, really cool spot there. He could have took a couple guys out. Luckily the wrestlers were in the crowd over there. So had he actually hit anyone, it would have been okay. But yeah, it was, um, it was a clusterfuck, and it went like 20-some minutes, like 25, 26 minutes of just guys trying to hit fucking every finisher they can think of. Yeah, I, and I didn't even know that was on the card. Uh, so That was supposed to be like the buy-in. But- they usually use that match for the buy-in, with their Rumble match, and they moved right. it to the pay-per-view. And this is, <laughs> well, I don't know if this was going to make me uh, want to buy the pay-per-view either. Maybe if they put the Jericho match on, on the buy-in, maybe, who knows. Well, they should have started with some, like even even that ladder match. And I'm going to get to that when we get down here to the final few matches. I'm going to talk to you about placement on the card of some of these matches. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Backstage segment: Paul White promo. He's now a color commentator on their C show, which maybe it's their B show. Obviously, they're going to use him there until they work him into some kind of an angle. He's not here to do color commentary, people. No, he's here to knock people out. And I tweeted last week. I, I said it would be funny if he came out as. Uh, Captain Insano, and they trademarked from, the name. Uh, they trademarked the name. Yeah, wow. it's crazy. Yeah. I get, the, I couldn't believe it when I read that. Yeah, that's fucking phenomenal. I can't wait to see what they do with it. <laughs> I just want to see him in the costume again. Fucking, yeah, exactly. I would pop huge for that. In the crowd, the big celebrities to- on this pay per view, Mister Gibson, were DDP and Al Snow. You couldn't get any bigger than that, huh? Well, Al Snow can't get much bigger. That's for sure. Wearing his, he was rocking his, uh, yeah, he's looking pretty sharp there. Uh, rocking his OVW mask there, putting over his promotion. Yeah, I like Al Snow. That's not uh, Stephen ML worthy, or you know. <laughs> maybe they should sign Al next for the next uh, over the hill wrestler. And no offense to these guys in their primes, but Jesus, some of this shit AEW is doing right now. We move on to the next match. It's AEW Women's Champion Hikaru Shida taking on Ryo Mizunami. Uh, she won a tournament in order to earn this title shot. I wrote, they had a Japanese promo before the match. Vince would have never allowed this. That was my first thought when I saw that. Well, I didn't watch it, so you can continue. <laughs> sure, and I did watch it, but, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if my take was the right take. So I went online. I looked at a couple of respectable people, people I respect, I talked to, and I got their opinion without telling them mine, and everybody's consensus <laughs> Seems to be the same exact thing. They tried to work this match like it was a main event of like an old All Japan Women's show. So it's like 87 false finishes back and forth with these big time moves. And it had the crowd going early, but there were so many false finishes that with every false finish, the crowd became less and less and less interested until they got to the finish. And it was like big fucking deal. By the time Sheeta finally won with a spinning knee. 
she got the win in 15 minutes and 10 seconds, and the crowd was pretty much dead by that point. I've, ne- I've seen people work the crowd up. I've never seen them work them down, and it wasn't because the girls were... I'll put it this way. The match went 15 minutes. Had they cut out a lot of the bullshit in the middle and done this in eight, I think it would have been perfectly fine, but it, it, was, it was just dragging, and uh, it, was, well, it wound up not being very good. I can give you my take on this. When I saw that that was happening, uh, I got up to go upstairs to get uh, a water, and I asked, I told you Pia News Jr.'s preference of women. I said, I bet you like that short, dumpy one, right? <laughs> He's like, ah, you know, I don't know about the short hair. I'm not a big fan of that. So then I went upstairs. When I came back, he had kind of turned and said, well, you know, maybe if she had a wig, I might be into that. <laughs> so that's my take on their women's world title match. I know it's very insightful, but. Well, Sheeta's pretty talented. I think she's one of those kind of girls that are pretty good, but I didn't, I didn't care for this match because I didn't like what they were out there doing here. This is just not the place to be doing this on, in the middle of the card. Post-match, I actually saw uh, PN News Jr.'s other favorite, uh, Nyla Rose, run out and attack both mm-hmm. girls. And then Vicky Guerrero laughing it up. Then we even see Britt Baker and Maki Ito back out here. And they run out and swing away on Sheeta and Mizunami as well. Baker and Rose then face off for a moment. Then it's just, it's too much of a clusterfuck. There's so much going on. This is not the last time tonight random people are going to be running in on things. Yeah, I saw that too. And like I said, I just have no interest in any of that. Like I say, I like Thunder Rosa. That's about it. I got very little for this next match here. It was a quick match over in 7 minutes and 50 seconds. It was the former Rusev, Miro, and Kip Sabian uh, over the best friends of Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy. Of course, Cassidy winds up doing his pocket spots, but it's Miro with the game over or the old accolade on Taylor to pick up the win here. You got any thoughts there? Uh, fucking terrible. They've, they've wasted that Rusev. Yeah. Like. That guy should be your top monster heel. And whatever he's doing, I don't get it. I feel like they're letting him. I feel like the issue here is they're letting a lot of these guys do what they want to do. uh, Creative freedom, so to speak. And they're burying themselves and they don't even realize it. Like Rusev could be a killer, like you said. And instead he comes in with the bleach blonde hair, which I don't care about the look. But he's, you know, wanting to be, he's a video gamer and he's Kip Sabian's buddy. and The Twitch guy. yeah. Yeah. Like. Who like this Kip Sabian guy? Like he's just like a mid card jobber, and the Orange Cassidy uh, and what was the other? Oh, Chuck Taylor. He's like a skinny fat guy too. Like the, guy, the Buck there, and this did nothing for me. Like I, I said when Rusev attacked him right at the start, I'm like just kick the shit out of him and end this. Long. But I guess yeah, he did get a pretty decisive win, right? But they weren't gonna put uh, let him go over Cassidy. I'm guessing that's where they're gonna go right. with this next, right? Because that guy's like super popular so yeah, i don't mind orange cassidy it was just the fact that the gimmick never changed i kept waiting for him to do like the first time i saw it i go i can dig this this is kind of cool and then i saw him do the thing again and it was the same exact routine and i'm like oh, okay anybody can do things twice then he did it a third time yeah. and i started catching on that you only do the same five things i thought i thought going in like oh this guy does everything like this and no it doesn't work like that well, he, he seems to be pretty good in the ring. It's just that. Yeah, that's like, another thing. I mean, he can work. Shit, right? But when he starts working the gimmick, it's the gimmick that's the same exact routine every time. And I noticed when they slammed him on that uh, chest in the back, he actually sold that, which I, I don't think he sells a lot. Right. But I was. That, that uh, impressed me a little bit that he sold that for as long as he did. 
I'll say this much. They've ruined Rusev. That was... Um, yes, they have. Compared to some of these other older guys they've been bringing, he's one of the u- u- younger names that they could have used here coming out of the WWE that they just completely dropped the ball on. Completely. Right. And he got himself so over in the WWE, they just they squashed it because that's not what they wanted, right? So he knows how to get himself over. Yeah, absolutely. But here we are. Anyway, he gets, yeah. He gets to do what he wants that's to do. That's enough of that. Backstage, it's Chris Jericho and MJF. They lost earlier in the night, so changes must be made in the inner circle. There will be an inner circle war council this week on Dynamite, and they say it's time to make some changes, says Jericho. MJF agrees, and they will do something Mm -hmm. to make the group stronger this coming Wednesday. It sounds like Jericho's on the way out. Yeah, this reminded me exactly of when The Rock took over the nation. Okay, I can see that. I could see that MGF in the in the rock position and Jericho being the Farouk. I know, that's that's where I see this going. So they do have some intriguing storylines. Just sometimes the delivery. Uh, well, that's again that's another issue <laughs> continuing tonight as well. Back to the ring. It's Matt Hardy taking on Hangman Page. This is called a big money match. This is ridiculous, ridiculous stipulation. Winner receives the loser's 2021 first quarter earnings. I, <laughs> yes. It's whatever. Apparently, I found out the Dark Order had been trying to recruit Hangman Page to their group, and I guess they haven't been very successful as of yet. Meanwhile, Matt Hardy's got good buddies in private party. They come out. It's when I first realized that, is Matt Hardy the heel here? I hadn't really understood what the hell was going on. And private party tried to, yeah, they tried to interfere on Matt's behalf, but Dark Order come out and make the save. Hangman Page goes to take a big bump to the floor, but he's caught by the Dark Order and helped back up on the apron. Buck shot Lariat later, and he gets the win on Matt Hardy in 14 minutes, 40 seconds. Thought this match went a little long, too. Matt Hardy's another guy. He's getting up there in age. He can he can work a gimmick. He's okay, but he doesn't need to be working these 15-minute matches, and I don't know that he necessarily needs to be working these guys that should be getting themselves over with um, younger talent. Yeah, and thing too if he's going to do this big money kind of jerry Maguire gimmick he, he should be changing his look like he doesn't need to be wearing the snake skin <laughs> pants and the skin tight shirts like he should cut his hair and make himself look like a businessman that would my uh, opinion that would be a prick that would cost him know? money that he probably doesn't want to spend right now he's he's uh lost his first quarter earnings man and he sure isn't buying anything new well, anytime that, yeah, soon now that's, that's, that's legit i guess hangman's just gonna spend it on beer and it looks like he's the new leader of the dark order which is really a shame because i like the the hangman uh i think that's a good gimmick and i think the dark order's a stupid gimmick yeah dark order reminds me of you know when you go to a local show uh it was you know for maybe for charity at a carnival or a high school and <laughs> right they've got about four guys on the roster so you know they'll work a match without a mask then they'll come back later with a mask and then they're running the camera like it just looks really cheap to me and I, I don't know what Colt Cabana is doing in there. <laughs> yeah, I forgot he had joined them. I remember that he joined them, and I when they said his name, I'm like, Colt Cabana and the Dark Order. All right. Yeah, it's it's just like it's just ridiculous at this there, point. But I, it's it, always been the Dark like Order, but I feel like it's had so many incarnations over the last two years or however long they've existed. It's well, they obviously got at least ten people, right? Yeah, and they just—I don't think they're going to ever let it die now because it was part of the Brody Lee gimmick and and whatever. But it, it needs to go they away. Need to stop bringing the, the kid out there. Like, like, does this kid not go to school or what? Like, he's, <laughs> he's available he's, uh, every week. 
<laughs> I'm they sure Tony Tony Khan's probably paying for him a, a homeschool and uh, right right there at the uh, Daly's place, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a, a child actor, right? I, I just fear this Tony Khan guy is going to waste all of his dad's money. <laughs> like, there's no way that this promotion can turn a profit. There's no I'll tell way. you what, he's not going to waste it on Pyro, that's for sure. No. <laughs> We, we move well, on with the next? face of the revolution ladder match for the for a future TNT title shot. Winner has to grab a giant brass ring. I wrote how clever because Cody just can't get enough of sticking it to Vince. Looks like a golden ass ring, like one of those donuts that you sit on when yeah, you, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it looked cheap. Oversized novelty horse shit here. It's a six-man ladder match. It's Cody Rhodes and Scorpio Sky. It's Penta from the uh, Death Triangle. And uh, Platinum Max Caster, who I am not familiar with. Lance Archer and a mystery man. I was pumped for this. I'm like, okay. Well, I wasn't really pumped. I'm lying. But I was like, okay, let's see who it is. Thought it would be somebody I knew. And then out comes all-ego Ethan Page. And I wrote, who? Because apparently he's from Impact, and that's why I have no idea who he is. And I had I wrote this in here. Look at this note here. What does PN News Jr. think of PN Snooze here? That's what I call this Platinum Max Caster. Rapping current events equals charisma, apparently, because as he comes out and raps about Cuomo and things like that, Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross note, man, this guy's full of charisma. So they're trying to put him over. I thought uh, PN Snooze is what I called this fellow. I was curious what PN News Jr.'s take was. I think you liked him. Oh, that's terrible to hear. Damn it! Well, you know, I, 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 I didn't mind him. Either. I thought he was the best part of this. Uh, <laughs> really? This shit show. Well, out of those, that group of guys. Well, I guess Cody's. I do like the Penta. I do like Penta. Cody's okay. Yeah, I don't like Cody. Say his real. Say his name now, though. He's not allowed to call himself that anymore. Okay. All right. Penta El Cerro Miedo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't say it. Nobody can say it except Excalibur. But, Vince would it. never allow that. He would just call him. Miedo, or no, that's that's not uh, manly enough. <laughs> Name him Jose. Hey, uh, hey, Jesus, something. <laughs> but uh, that that Ethan Page guy, there was a uh, a show ran in a bar here last year, just before the pandemic. Yeah, like in the shittiest area of town, and that guy was wrestling on it. So All good right. on him. Good to know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for for AEW he's anyway. The, he's out of the ghetto of Winnipeg. So. Right. Well, that, that is good for him. I'll give him that much. Cody goes out with a shoulder injury during the match, but yes, he comes back. Why does he do this? Did, did you ever notice Cody's like a man of 5,000 fucking gimmicks? Like, he, it's just, he, he doesn't give the gimmicks to anyone else. None of the new talent coming in to put them over. Cody sucks it all up himself. I'm going to be the one that gets hurt and comes back and tells the Rocky story. Fuck Ethan Page and Ratmaster PN News the third over here. It's uh, fucking Cody Rhodes. <laughs> he's, he's no different than Triple H at all. There's that's no scary. Difference. Yeah, you know, that's a good... He's got a million nicknames, too. His that's a good comparison. It's like yeah. ridiculous. Triple H had a sledgehammer. Like, Cody has his weight belt. Yeah, and he's got all the nicknames, too, right? Like, the Prince of Pro Wrestling... Uh, I can't remember the other ones, but he's got a few. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's Cody Rhodes is what it is at the end of the day. He has his father thumb, if you will, be with for sure. I'll be wrong. <laughs> well, he's no Dusty. That's no, he's no Dusty, but he is his son. So he's trying to be Dusty. He's his son. 
He's learned he's, from Dusty. He's coming off more like Jeff Jarrett. So Yes. That's funny. You're the second person I've seen compare him to Jeff Jarrett. Of course, I didn't watch any of Jarrett's impact run, but I've, that's what I've been told this is very much the equivalent to. Oh, it's getting there. He hasn't put the world title on himself yet, but I'm sure that's coming. So Even Cody, though he did have a stipulation, right? That he right. can't ever can't, sell yeah, that right, ever. again. But ever. Right. Ever. Ever. Do that again. <laughs> ever again. <laughs> so Cody goes out so, for a while after yeah. taking a Canadian Destroyer on the ladder, but he does return. He returns with the weight belt and begins uh, <laughs> whipping everybody with that. Scorpio Sky at one point goes through a bridged ladder. There's a ladder propped up from the apron to the guardrail, and he takes a bump from the top rope off onto the ladder, and it breaks and it breaks right where it's spray, uh, spray painted red, I noticed. It was like he was looking for the X marks, the spot where to land on the ladder. The ladder, go back and check this out. It broke perfectly right where there's red spray paint running across the ladder. Just, uh, I thought it was oh, funny. Really? I have no idea what happened to P and Snooze or what took him out because I didn't see him anymore when we were going to the finish. I saw everybody else get wiped out. I don't know what happened to Caster. Ethan Page winds up getting, uh, he uh, picks Archer up, which was impressive, even though they, they fucked the spot up initially. He does scoop him up into a razor's edge and tosses him, and that was that was pretty damn impressive, I thought. Uh, Jake, the Snake Roberts, is at ringside with Archer, and at that point, Jake actually gets up out of his seat because he's he's sitting there the whole fucking match, so, so much for DDP Yoga. Hits the ring, well, he... Gets into the ring. I, he didn't really hit the ring. He gets into the ring and nails the old short clothesline to Paige, which somehow takes him out because he can't take a DDT anymore. Can't do a DDT anymore, I should say. Pinta tries to climb the ladder. He goes out with chair shots to the legs. And then Scorpio finally dumps Cody off the ladder. And Scorpio grabs that big brass ring. And he'll go on to get a title shot for the TNT title match with 23 minutes and 15 seconds. And out of all of the guys in this match, I really didn't see that one coming. No, and actually, I, I kind of forgot about him. You know what? He's probably the, the most deserving of winning that, I think, and he's probably the most talented, right? Other other than Cody, but so I had no issue with that. It was I can see that, and they're trying to move him away. You know, uh, I think he's um, going heel, I, he's splitting him away. Yeah, and um, I don't I don't disagree with it. I just didn't see it. He's so been in mediocrity in AEW for so long. I just didn't see it coming. But I'm not against it. Hmm. No, I thought it was fine. It was, you know, as far as it's hard to do anything new in a ladder match, right? So there was nothing really revolutionary, right? if you will, in that. So you want to talk the first of uh, a few fizzles here? (laughs) I'm heading into the uh, main event. Uh, Talk about the big contract signing. They announced it as somebody huge, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, coming to the AEW. And there's a countdown clock on the Videotron. Kind of reminded me of Jericho arriving in the WWF. And who yeah. is it? It's uh, one of your boys. Yeah, one of my parking lot guys. <laughs> Christian Mr. Cage has arrived in AEW. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. They just shouldn't have hyped it up so big. Absolutely. Like, Christian's a great wrestler. He's a great talent, but that's not like people are expecting John Cena or Brock Lesnar, right? CM Punk. Yeah. Yeah. CM Punk and Brock Lesnar were really the names getting batted around a lot. And I really didn't think they had a chance with Brock. Brock doesn't really get along well with the young guys. He doesn't want to work with those guys. I know Ambrose or Moxley has a lot of issues with them going back to their match. So I just, I didn't see him doing it when Vince gives him anything and everything he wants. If he comes in and wants $8 trillion to do a two minute match, Vince is going to say, 
Yeah, whatever you want, pal. In AEW, they're going to beg him to work a match, take bumps. Brock, if he doesn't have to do that, he's not going to do that. Yeah, I thought that was unlikely. Uh, Cena, too, like, I know his contract is up, but, like, really, he's not going to go. And I've seen so many other names bandied about that it's like, why? Like, and who cares? And I'm not shitting on them when they were in their prime. I, uh, prime, I saw Rob Van Dam and some other, like, what are they going to do for you here in 2021, though? This isn't, you they're know. not going to move the needle. No. And they're not going to have very good matches either. Not by today's standards or even mm-hmm. yesterday's standards for that matter. I'm not shitting on these guys. And I'm, I'm not shitting on Christian. You want to go get him and he's going to go work some matches? He looked in damn good shape, I thought, um, at, at the Royal yeah. Rumble. For his age, I think he's in his late 40s. He's 47, I read today. Okay. And he looked okay. At the, I thought he looked perfectly fine at the Rumble. I think he's got a few you know, solid, fun matches left in him. But to build it up, yeah. uh, whatever. And then um, his gimmick is outwork everyone. And I thought to myself, right. that'll get over. You can have no doubt that Christian came up with that all by himself. Marketing genius. When we heard that, that was uh, Big Show's hint, right? Nobody <laughs> outworked this Outwork guy. Outwork right. Said. Yeah. And so we were, we, while we were watching, we automatically assumed it was going to be hard work Bobby Walker. So oh, you see, yeah. Tell my disappointment when it was Chris. Well, they were probably afraid to sign Bobby Walker after, you know, he sued WCW. So it's like, I don't know if we, we can exactly, trust this guy. Yeah, he's financially secure with the history of suing people. <laughs> so, um, now there's two cages. It's uh, Christian Cage and, and Brian Cage, who's in the next match. After this, right. they, they count the clock down and out walks Christian Cage, who was a big disappointment. Like you said, if he had just shown up, had they not built this up, had they just said, hey, there's a wrestler coming to AEW on the pay-per-view, instead of putting him over like he was the next big thing, no pun intended, mm-hmm. and this is what you get when you do shit like this. They they sold on the pay or on the commentary that he has unfinished business. I'm not really sure with who here, but yeah. So here we are, Christian now also a part of AEW, and from my understanding, according to to Meltzer anyway, he didn't just up and decide to go to AEW. WWE had their chance first, and they they kind of passed on it, which I thought was a missed opportunity, given what we saw at the Rumble with Edge and Christian. I felt like we had a couple of good matches there before before they let him go, but I don't know if they're just worried about him. You know, issues because of past his neck concussions and his neck injuries. Yeah. Well, I, I had heard a rumor that he's going to team with Edge at the next pay-per-view against Reigns and Uso. So, okay. I what, yeah, I wonder what happened. That would have made Maybe sense. Money wasn't there, but because that would have been a money match. People would love to see that. Well, you know what? It's street fight time. As uh, Oh, God. Team Taz with Ricky Starks and Brian Cage, they pull up in a badass car. I don't, I don't know my... My vehicle's all that well, but it was badass, and I love the color of the green that they rocked here when they got there. But uh, Sting and Darby Allen. Darby Allen arrives uh, back to the future style, uh, skateboarding, uh, holding it to the back of a pickup truck. And uh, Sting and uh, Darby Allen take on Team Taz. And uh, parts unknown, we have no idea where this is. It's undisclosed location. <laughs> you think that was like... Sting came out in like a 1992 Dodge uh, <laughs> Dakota, so... Right. Well, you think that's probably Tony Khan's car or something because that was uh, an expensive looking car, for sure. Yeah, because I know they used his dad's car for Jericho gave it to somebody. I, I can't remember another I, hot car, but go ahead. Right away, I thought during these entrances, the commentary was ruining it. Like, I don't know, it's just like they were talking over it, like you were. It was Mystery Science Theater three thousand ish 
or something to me. Like they were just kind of commentating over a movie instead of letting it play it out. Fit. Right. No, it didn't. And I thought Taz tried his best, but it just, I don't think they needed commentary or that, that Michael Cole, like in the past where things are going on and like, maybe he makes a, a you know, a couple words here, a couple words there just to remind us that we you know we're watching a wrestling show. But you didn't need really commentary over the entire fucking thing. And, of course, this was pre-taped. It was cinematic, I should point out, which um, can be hit or miss. I like the visual effects here. There were a few shining moments, I thought, here overall. But cinematic's not really for me. But uh, it does hide Sting. And it hides him well later when, when Sting's not even in the match at one point. But his body double is. Did you see that? Yes, I did notice that, <laughs> yep. I did like there was a this spot at one point. an absolute fortune. Oh, my God, yes. Uh, they had that skyhook crane at one point, the, the video shot that, like, it shot across the whole yeah. top of the building. That was a really cool effect. Uh, I can't imagine what they paid to put this whole thing together. I agree with you, man. I can't imagine what this cost. Um, there was a cool spot, though, at one point, because, like you said, it's like in a warehouse, so there's, like, several levels to this thing, and... Brian Cage grabs Darby Allen in a suplex, picks him up, and walks him up the stairs. That was kind of cool. I got to admit that. I didn't know who these guys were. I had to be told who they were. There were guys that interfered on behalf of Team Taz. Their names were Huck and Powerhouse Hooks, and they made it a four-on-two. Apparently, Huck is... Hobbs. Is it Hobbs? Hobbs, Hobbs all right. yeah. yeah Powerhouse my Hobbs, and Hook is Taz's son. That's right. Yeah, I, that's what somebody told me. I didn't know who Huck was. Well, he looks like he's 14, so I'm not sure how old he is, but... <laughs> well, I heard he hasn't wrestled yet, so maybe that could be a valid. Maybe he is underage. I don't really know what the deal is there. But yeah, they let Brody yeah, Lee's son yeah. on here, so maybe Taz's like, hey, what about me, brother? And they just kind of <laughs> just let anybody's kid on these uh, all elite shows. Everyone's all elite, even the sparklers. They do a spot where they chuck Allen through a glass window pane. Pretty rough there. I'm sure it was gimmick, mm-hmm. but still, damn, man. Just damn this kid. Yeah, I don't know if it was gimmick knowing this guy. So Taz was apparently banned by the cons from being in this warehouse, but his other people weren't like his son wasn't. You, you'd think the cons were a little smarter than that. So uh, that didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me when they, when they took on four on two here. Uh, Alan uh, finally grabs Sting's bat because Sting threw it up. Uh, earlier he got called out man to man, so Sting took his bat and flung it up onto the second floor. Alan throws it back down and just magically lands in Sting's hand in the power of movies. Nice catch. And, yeah, nice catch by the Stinger. And he actually ends up breaking it over somebody's fucking ass. I, I don't even remember who, who he swung it at or what happened, but I remember the bat broke, and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> There's, it's, uh, it was crazy. Uh, the whole damn thing it was uh, very intriguing, I'll say that much. Allen then does a flying elbow off like the second or third floor. I'm not even sure where he was. Winds up going through like a, obviously a, a gimmicked mat area, but it looks like he goes through the first floor down into the basement, if, if you want to call mm. it that. Uh, it was uh, crazy. Far drop either way. Yeah, it was a hell of a drop for sure. That's for certain. Sting misses a splash into a, a stinger splash into an exposed turnbuckle in the corner, and that's when we get the fake stand-in double Sting spot. They try to powerbomb him, and Sting flips up and over into a sunset flip so perfect. And they cut away to make sure we only see the back of Sting's head during the spot. Uh, it was uh, very obvious. <laughs> that was not Sting taking this, <laughs> taking this move. And Sting comes back with the Scorpion Death Drop on Starks, gets the win in 13 minutes and 40 seconds of a, a cinematic street fight. And Who'd have thought it was a good idea to put a ladder match, then a street fight 
right before a barbed wire explosion match. And I get why they had to put this here. They needed time to set up to set it up for the barbed wire match. But was it what, like you said, why not start off with the ladder match kind of split up the uh, gimmick matches here a little bit. Yeah. Three gimmicks in a row. And I don't know if you heard, I think it was on Jim Cornette's podcast where they were talking about the Matt Hardy, uh, Sammy Guevara, they had their theatrical match on his Hardy compound. And okay. they reported that there was almost 300 people working on that match. Wow. I don't know if that's correct, but that's like a movie set. And so I'm guessing this might be similar. Like, I would guess more. This was definitely... This shit is? Yeah, this, this here looked like an actual movie action scene. They yeah, it cr- reminded me of a video game. You know, that's that that could be their excuse. You know, they keep blaming Kenny Omega, uh, using hammer and nails to put together the main event and writing the rules in Cran. They should just blame it all on the Sting match. We spent so much money making the Street Fight movie that we had no money left for explosions. <laughs> yes. It might be they're out. If they use I that on Wednesday, they're gonna years. they're gonna owe me a few bucks. They might. That might be Tony Cotton's excuse, right? Well, I, I got nothing left. If they, if they're clever enough, shows off the air next week. Woof! Big Show and Christian got the last of my cash. They, they may that, have. Kenny Omega building that thing when they showed that—that—that's mm-hmm. an homage to uh, Mad Dog Vashon. Oh yeah, his workshop. Yeah, I, I haven't seen anybody point that out, but just knowing what a mark for the AWA that Cyrus is, I guarantee that's that's a homage to. Mad Doug Vashon. Yeah, I got nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I just, I hated that cop-out. We'll get to that at the end of the show because we're moving on to the exploding barbed wire death match. Did you have anything else you wanted to add for the street fight before we continue on? No, no, I'm good on that. All right. So it's AEW champion Kenny Omega taking on John Moxley. The rules are simple. There are, there's barbed wire on three sides of the ring on the ropes. There's a barricade of barbed wire on the outside with explosives attached, supposedly. And if this match should go the full 30-minute time limit, the entire ring will explode, as Tony Schiavone told us four thousand times during a match. And the there's survi- no fail safe. And if there's a survivor, they will be the winner. As uh, Bryce Rimsburg, the referee out here in a bomb suit, everyone was also tra- uh, treated with flame retardant. We've been told for what reason? I have no idea. John Moxley in a ripoff Onita jacket, and I was a little bummed he wasn't smoking a cigarette on the way out, coming out the wild thing at that point. But he did give a little nod to Onita. They actually. Well, Asked Onita to come here to watch this. Thank God he didn't. Oh, could you imagine? Holy fuck. But Onita had to turn him down because he has a match in a couple weeks. And if he came here to watch this, he wouldn't be cleared to wrestle again in Japan by that point. Yeah, quarantine. Yeah. Well, see, that's funny that you say you act, you got the actual that that's an Onita jacket. Yeah. When he came out in that jacket, I uh, I yelled at PNS Junior because there's a TV show from the '90s here called north of 60 which is a uh, uh aboriginal like indigenous people living on a reserve uh-huh. and there's a bad kid <laughs> and he wears that exact jacket his name is tv so i want you to google that later okay uh t-e-e-v-e-e north of 60 he'll come up and every picture he has that jacket on so that's that's funny you actually got the real wrestling reference to the jacket i'm like well, he stole tv's jacket so i'm way <laughs> off base but go ahead Oh, you're fine. Don Callis is there, as you mentioned him just a little bit ago. He joins commentary for this one. And then, of course, Justin Roberts. I thought we had gotten away from the John forever, but no, it's here in AEW and it lives. I hated it in WWE and I hate it here now. 
Um, I agree 100%. I, I didn't even know Omega was champion. I think I did when he won it, but I pay so little attention that I just don't keep these things in my memory banks here as the match gets going. This was a very underwhelming and very embarrassing trash I wrote. I'm talking about this gimmick <laughs> spots in the match. I, I liked the story early on, and I'm not really a big fan of a lot of this shit. I, I was back mm-hmm. when, back in the day. I used to go to RF video, you know, before we found out he was a pedophile and everything, and get the old story yes. of the F tapes, which is chronological history of all the death matches and all the cool shit that was going on over in Japan in the FMW. Huge fan back in 97, 98, 99, and that era. Uh, here, you know, I've seen it all. Now it's uh, not really a big fan anymore. I like to go back and watch some of the old stuff every once in a while, but I thought they did a good job wrestling here. I thought they did a good job telling the story, keeping away from the barbed wire early on. It all made sense. Moxley bladed so early that I thought one of two things was going to happen. Either he was going to bleed out before the 30 minutes ended, because you were guaranteed something was going to happen in 30 minutes, or it was going to dry up and be worthless for the final half of the match, which it kind of did. It did dry up, yep. But yeah, he obviously took some aspirin, and he took that shot of booze before, so that'll thin the blood right out for you. So... We kick things off the very first time, I think it's Moxley, hits the, the barbed wire first. The explosion goes off, and it's, uh, it's passable. No, no, no complaints until they show it in instant replay, slow motion from a side shot, and the explosions actually go off at least a half a second, a second before Moxley even touches the barbed wire. So at this point, you can see it's completely rigged. Not that we didn't know that moving no, in, but it's, sure. it's very exposed at this point. Right, right, right away, uh, about 10 minutes into the match, I think they do a spot also. And I did and again, this would be a cool spot if they didn't have the stupid shitty effects that they have out here where he does that paradigm shift or that, that, I, that elevated DD double under DDT off the apron yep. through the barbed wire barricade on the floor. But this is the first of two shitty explosions because it's like uh, party poppers going off pop. Um, underneath the barricade, nowhere near these guys. Um, underneath and all the way to the end. Yes, at the bottom, nowhere, near, nowhere near near their feet. Yeah. yeah, it was it was not good. So I was trying to enjoy it because I thought the wrestling aspect of it wasn't bad. The story they were telling wasn't bad. Had these two just fucking gotten away from this garbage shit, this combat zone shit, and just wrestled, they they probably would have had a damn good match here. But because they were so focused on that selling point, and poor Tony Schiavone was forced to tell us 80 times, the ring is going to explode! <laughs> this didn't live up to, to the hype, but to say, to say the least. No, it didn't. I agree with you. At, at the start of the match, I thought that was great, where they're trying to avoid the barbed wire at all costs, and they actually built up to the first explosion. Like They didn't get into it right immediately, which is what I thought they would do. Kind Same here. Fell off a cliff. So we get a 10-minute warning till the explosions occur, says Tony Schiavone, and that's when Kenny Omega lands the one-weekend angel, which they have really uh, protected here in AEW. Nobody has ever kicked out of it. And again, I liked this. This was really cool, too, had it worked, mind you. Moxley doesn't kick out of the move, but he does kick the barbed wire, which causes it to explode, but explodes away from the ring. And not into the face of Kenny Omega, who sells it as if he's been shot yes. in the face. <laughs> <laughs> this was the problem. The, 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 I don't know who they paid. I, I don't know. I, this is, it was terrible. Everything was just terrible. The stunts were terrible. I hate to say stunts. But these stunts in this match were just the drizzling shits 
to use a wrestling phrase. Yeah, it was it was bad. And then after having a, a solid match outside of these stupid explosions, the Good Brothers run in. Gallows and Anderson from the WWE come in, and I wrote overbooked WCW shit. These were the dying days of WCW. The last few years of WCW, every fucking match. Run in after run in after. And we saw that here. The ladder match had random run ins three minutes into the fucking ladder match just to get a spot in. The Royal Rumble had fucking run. Every match here seems to have a fucking run in almost. And it just, it killed me. And they ruined it. Like, we're 20 some minutes in this match, and here we go. Kevin Nash has his buddies running out, is what this felt like to me. Yeah, that, well, you knew Omega was going to win, right? And there's no way he was going to beat him clean. So they had to do something. But you're right, there's too many run ins all throughout the show. I get that. I, I agree with you. Like he shouldn't be trading the belt back and forth with Moxley this quickly. So yes, he should win. And, and, uh, but do a gimmick. You, you remember the spot where he was supposed to have gotten that shot into his eyes. Maybe do something like that where Moxley gets something shot into his eyes or how about this? The exploding baseball bat, which is another nice spot when Omega <laughs> Omega grabs the uh, baseball bat and, uh, with barbed wire wrapped around it and it explodes on Moxley. That wasn't too bad compared to some of these other uh, explosions. I'm using a lot of um, air quotes, by the way. Nobody can see that, but that's what I'm doing when I use the word explosion here, just to let you know. We can hear it. (laughs) And after the exploding baseball bat, it's the one-winged angel again, this time on a chair. And Omega picks up the win. Don Callis tries to get his boys out of the ring, but they ain't leaving yet. They're too busy handcuffing John Moxley in the middle of the ring. And why? Is the clock still ticking, I wrote. The match is over. Can they not turn the detonator off? I guess not. And it's just going to explode no matter what, right? So technically, the match could have ended. Everybody could have left the ring, and we we were still going to get an explosion with nobody out there. What a load of shit. Yeah, that ring was going either way. Finally, they start counting down. We're inside the 32nd period. The heels run away. The referee's already gone. Everybody's gone ringside. Jim Ross and, and Excalibur's telling everybody, hit the deck. It's, the world's going to end. Tony Schiavone just keeps screaming, the ring's going to explode. It's Sting. Well, he didn't say it's Sting, but maybe he did in the earlier match. <laughs> but out comes Eddie Kingston, who you, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, uh, worked Moxley. They had a, a little bit of a feud going last year. Wild match that was. I actually covered that match as well. But now they're buddies because they go back 20 years. And he comes out. and Right. He can't get Moxley out of the ring because apparently he's not strong enough to just pick him up and carry him out of the ring. So instead, he just drops down on top of his body, covers him to protect his longtime friend. Three, two, one. Oh, no. And (laughs) sparklers in my basement was a collective howling out loud. Absolutely howling, laughing. When I saw that, when both of us saw that, um, and I, I said, you know, I was really, I, I also tweeted this today. I was kind of pissed off. I wasted $50 on this until I saw that. To me, that was worth every penny to see that live. That <laughs> That's shit. one way to look at things. That's one way to take things. I could see that. Hey. Yeah. And um, Thank you, AEW. <laughs> take my 50 I can't, I'm not going to describe it, you know, uh, tenfold here uh, like everybody else, but... You just go on Twitter. It's everywhere on Twitter. I'm sure it's everywhere on social media, YouTube. Yeah, anywhere you want to. Just Google the fucking thing. At this point, AEW's probably put it up for comic relief, I'd have to imagine. It's uh, sparklers shooting out of the corners. Shooting. That's what it looked like. Sparklers shooting out of the corners. And then a few party poppers on the outside. Poof, poof. And the announcers are, like, waiting. There's there's like that three-second pause from the announcers. Like, waiting for the next big thing to happen. 
and then nothing happens. And poor Tony Schiavone. Oh, you can feel the heat up here. Uh, it was. <laughs> I wrote, man, yeah. you could have done Kane's pyro. I've been ringside for Kane's pyro. That shit takes your breath. The heat from that and the explosions no. loud is not loud enough. The heat will take your breath. Yeah, I have to. Yeah. Uh, so I have to, and we talked about that too, about that. And what was I going to say? Um, I didn't mean to kill your train of thought, man. I, I definitely want to hear everything no, you have to say. <laughs> no, go ahead, man. Well, shit, I was going to say something about that. No, I can't remember. Sparklers, Kane's Pyro. Okay. I'll come back to it. But what I was going to also say to you, before we yeah. started recording tonight, I had uh, Raw on. Oh, okay. And Bobby Lashley came out, oh, you boy. Know, triumphant champion. Yeah. And they gave him a 4th of July Pyro entrance. Fucking like, Vince. never had this before. Fucking Vince. Yeah. I, I fucking laughed. Tremendous. Uh, like now, see, now I have to go watch that. A hundred times better. A hundred times better. Well, you knew he was going to do something. You you knew something was going to be done tonight on Raw. Just uh, petty, petty, petty old man. <laughs> fucking yeah. Vince. Now I have to go find oh, a that. video footage of that so I can enjoy that. Well, if you recorded it, it's like the first, like the Miz comes out first and then Lashley. Like it's okay. 10 minutes of your time. That's all right. I'll skip the Miz. I'll get right to the, the Lashley entrance. That's uh. Typically, what I always do, skip the Miz. Skip the Miz, yeah. And yeah, I just, I, I felt bad for the announcers because that. they had to sell this thing. Well, they didn't have to. I know. But they did sell this thing like it was the second coming of, you know, I guess the Onita explosive matches, which it wasn't, you know, it wasn't even a good pyro show. You know, I thought the pyro they had at the beginning of the pay per view was a little better than this shit. And uh, my final words were, holy fuck, if this was wrote, uh, written to uh, write Moxley out, they can't possibly write him out now. You know, Renee Young or Renee Paquette, she's getting ready to deliver a baby. And, you know, they're speculating maybe he's going to take a two, three months off to spend time with his new baby, his wife and everything, which is whatever. And um, this now he has to show up on Wednesday. If he doesn't, he's, he's the biggest bitch in the history of the business. Now they got to come up with something well, new. after they went off the air, he did. Ex- yeah. he, he addressed it after they went off the air. I'm not sure if I, you saw that. I wanted to ask you about that. I wanted to get your take on that because uh, for those who missed it, there's video footage out there of this too. Moxley basically gets on the uh, announce the the microphone and says Kenny Omega is a, a hell of a uh, opponent, but he sure don't know how to build a damn explosive match or whatever the hell however the hell he worded it. I was curious your take on the the comedy relief there of Dean Ambrose or John well, Moxley. N- n- yeah, no, he shouldn't have said anything. He should have just left. Yeah, he's just shitting on the thing. Like you're supposed to be incapacitated well he treated the point he, where you couldn't get out of an exploding ring like yeah and now you're telling jokes and you're you know, i'm not a fan of his at all so never have been i didn't like it from the aspect of he shit on everybody that paid for the pay-per-view i felt even though he didn't say it on the pay-per-view and and the fans that were in attendance too it was just kind of like a uh, tongue-in-cheek joke now it's like yeah well fuck yeah. you and like i don't get eddie kingston i don't see it at all, like I, I don't understand the, the interest in in a Kingston. Well, he's as, a good uh, promo. He doesn't need to wrestle. He's a good promo, good manager. He looks like shit. So. There's another guy that had to sell that as if you know the ring just exploded. He's laying on top of uh, Moxley, and I don't, you know, his head's down. He's burying his head, so he doesn't really see what's happening he either. Know. Right. So I don't know if these guys even really knew what happened until after the match, and somebody came in and told them because they're selling the, like they died. And then after the match, they realized it was a fart in church. Literally, that's the noise it made. And 
<laughs> they're sitting out there making fun of it. And then Tony Khan, did you see the the press press conference, post press conference of the pay per view? No, I didn't. Tony Khan's uh, questioned about this uh, this entire thing, the explosive match, and his excuse is he instead of going, "I'm sorry, we fucked up, uh, something didn't go off properly," whatever the story really is, I don't really know. But instead of doing that, he just went with the storyline shit. Oh, Kenny Omega doesn't know how to build an explosive ring. Apparently, that was his. You know, he he wrote the rules in crayon. Omega actually built that ring, right? Yeah, he said. Well, what do you expect? You saw the video. He built it with hammer and nails, and he said that he and he gave them the rules in crayon. So, what do you? What did you expect? I thought that was also a bull, not only a bullshit cop out way of dealing with this because people are asking legitimate questions, right? They they want you know I I don't know how many people were demanding refunds, and I get it. You enjoyed that so much that comedy. That wasn't meant to be comedy, that it was worth it. Hey, that's okay. And I, I, I didn't see that point of view until you said that. So I get it. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that weren't laughing. Well, despite the fact that was probably one of the worst pay-per-views I've ever seen, I, I still, that that one moment and Bear Country was Bear worth Country. $50 for me. All right. Well, I'll give you that. Bear Country, uh, I'll make the, they're eight bucks. And the explosion. Eight bucks. Yeah. Well, I don't want to spend a lot of money on wrestling these days. And <laughs> I'll save my money for the old stuff. And um, let's see. The explosion, mm, four bucks, because it was still bullshit at the end of the day. It was funny, but it was everybody else made it funny. <laughs> it wasn't funny when it, it happened. It I got to I gotta admit, I wasn't laughing when it happened. Once I got to Twitter, then it was funny. Then I saw that more, more of the humor in it than just being disgusted with the fucking letdown that that, that was. I'm like, it was so unreal. That after it happened, I was like, literally, I kind of like you. I just couldn't believe that it happened. You know what I mean? Like, how, how did you let this happen? You spent all that money on the street fight <laughs> and to make sure it looked perfect. And then you, this is what, you, this is the special effects we get for the uh, pyro at the end of the show. Well, it made, uh, it made those like infernal matches look like, uh, like the first hell in a cell, like by comparison. And I did you know listen to WWE for all their faults. This would never happen. No, absolutely not. And you've seen Meltzer. I don't know if you've seen Meltzer, but I saw Meltzer on Twitter explaining it away. Uh, I told you all week. Why don't you people read my observer <laughs> that, it, you know, if you have high expectations, you're going to be let down because it can't be like the Japanese one. Like, like, like Meltzer really expected it to be this bad. Then he goes on and he kind of admits, yeah, it wasn't good. They shouldn't have, it wasn't so much that it was bad. It was so much that they shouldn't have built it up as big as they did. And they did, but you know, they did the same thing for Christian. They have a problem doing that. They do that quite often. They build things up too big and they never live up their expectations. And here though, you, you really can't sell it any more than it's an exploding ring match. So the ring should explode. Should, I mean, I'm not saying it should fucking explode. I mean, people are going to fucking die, but more pyro. So and then, yeah, well, yeah. Given some of the guys that were around, I, I'm not, I'm not against that either, but I'm just saying a little more pyro and maybe rig the ring to collapse. That's not a lot to ask for. We've seen all these things happen. These are possibilities. Yeah. You can't advertise that the ring's going to blow up. You, just, you can't, <laughs> you can't deliver on that. Even if the pyro was better, you can't deliver on a ring blowing up with two guys. So now does Vince capitalize on this and put on a better one at WrestleMania now? Or do we never, ever see an exploding ring match ever in the history of wrestling never, again? Never again. Okay. I was just curious your take there. 
since we got the pyro from Vince tonight, maybe maybe that's uh, all she wrote. But I'd love to see Vince try this as well. Oh my god! Uh, anything else you want to add overall on the show? Any other thoughts on um, the, the explosion or anything else in general? Well, I'm actually gonna look forward to watching this Wednesday's show because anything will be better than this pay per view. So I'm ooh, good point. I'm hoping like, that it was it was so bit. awful <laughs> that. They can't do much. They can't possibly do any worse. We might think uh, they you hit a home run. Go, you can't go worse. Yeah. And like, you know, everybody's been saying online, I don't know that they can continue to call their show dynamite. Maybe, uh, maybe they'll change the name of the show, at least for one week, make fun of themselves. My big takeaway though, was just, I didn't like how they made it into a joke. I understand people laughing at them. I don't like that. They're laughing at people. You know, Tony Khan should have took some credit or not credit. The opposite of credit responsibility. For promising people this, they spend 50 bucks, 60 bucks in some areas, and this is what they got, yeah. man. Be sincere and give an apology and be done with it. I mean, how hard is it? Is it to say this was not how it was planned? It didn't go off like it was supposed to. Sorry. Instead of explaining it away in a kayfabe storyline. Exactly. And then going forward, maybe tap into the wealth of wrestling knowledge you have at your fingertips instead of doing this shit on your own. Better. No kidding. I would love... <laughs> I would love to get Jim Ross's uh, real opinion on this and a few other guys that were there as well. But uh, since they're under contract, I don't know if we're going to get that, but I'd love to hear from a few of them. I'll tell you that much. Right. And I'm all for them taking the payday. If this Mark is going to pay them, do it. Yeah. I mean, take the payday. You got to make a living and not everybody can work for Vince and you're getting paid well, especially the guys that have been around forever that paid their dues. They deserve something. There should be well, yeah, there should like there should be a place JR for guys like the good life. Yeah, Jr. is always out on he's his beach like a having a good time. In, yeah, he's got a condo that's probably paid for by them. He's getting hammered all the time. He, he's getting foot massages and tweeting pictures of his junk and shit. So hey, he's in his seventies. Have at her, man. That was uh, he was a he was a hard worker for a very long time uh, from a lot of different respects, not just as an announcer. So whatever he can get out of it, yeah, I say go course. for it. I say go for it. And I say go for it for a lot I of these. Agree. Arn Anderson, I feel like he deserves it. A lot of these guys. Yeah, I don't fault any of them for taking that guy's money. I just wish they'd fire Excalibur. That's uh, pretty much my first demand moving forward. But doesn't seem like it's going to happen because he's the announcer of the year. So what do I know? He, he is. <laughs> for at least <laughs> the next 10 years going forward. Oh, dear God. The gold standard. Jesus. A guy in a fucking mask. It just quotes random wrestlers from fucking 20 and 30 years ago. Yeah, I think Jim Cornette puts it best. He's he's like a Mark calling tapes in his basement. Like He is a Mark. He comes off yeah, as a Mark. Everything he sure. says, all these names of everything, all the people he references for no reason. It's one thing when there's a reason. You're like, hey, this happened with such and such. But uh, yeah, it was... Yeah, he, he's name dropping for the sake of name dropping. Uh, like I said, when he said Marky. Super Delphin, I'm just like, come on, dude. Do you really think Jim Ross <laughs> or Tony Schiavone have any fucking clue who Super Delphin is from Michinoku Pro? <laughs> They're just well, like, they no can't even. Does. <laughs> no, they can't even respond. Right. Jim Ross might have saw some tapes at one point. They, they were even working with Michinoku Pro, I guess. But Tony has no clue who anybody is. Tony doesn't even know who the yeah. guys were in the WWF at the time Tony was in WCW. He didn't watch it, and he didn't study up on it, and he didn't give a shit. And that's why I like Tony. He's, like, ah, he's always telling I Conrad, like oh, there was that guy. I didn't even know that existed. I'm surprised he even knows what a gold dust is. No, he's great. And 
I've always liked him. Like some of his later WCW work, he was pretty much phoning it in. But yeah, I've always liked Tony. I don't think he gave a shit anymore by that point. But I agree with you. I I used to love Tony growing up. So good times, good times. I want to tell you, brother, you want to give a shout out to anybody, you can do so now. You certainly earned it. You're sitting here and talked about AEW for over an hour. So you deserve whatever you want. Has it been that long? (laughs) Okay, well, you know what? I got a lot of heat from at fake Stan Lane for not shouting him out on the last uh, podcast. Everybody follow at fake Stan Lane. There. Done. Wow. All right. At fake Stan Lane. I love at fake Stan Lane. I like his parody account. I've I've, uh, followed him in the past. He's an enjoyable character on there. I wish he was the uh, real Stan Lane. I was a big fan of Stan Lane. But yeah. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever get that on Twitter. <laughs> Stan Lane is uh, in the news as well sometimes lately, so <laughs> that is what that is. So PN News is Jr. is a big fan of uh, Max Castro, we've also learned. So that's pretty cool to know. I was surprised yeah, about that. Just to uh, to recap, big fan of Max Caster, whoever that Japanese little dumper was. Okay. <laughs> uh, Nyla Rose, also Gabby Tuft, right? Uh, Nidia. Sure. So. <laughs> Sounds good, man. I appreciate you being on here again and talking with me about this terrible fucking show, especially that the main event. And the, it was some of the wrestling on it was good, like I said, but man, just overall, because of the gimmicks that they had, John Moxley has to have in like, seems like almost every match he's in now. This is what you get at the end of the day. Just fucking shut up and wrestle. How about that? But uh, appreciate you being here again, I, and we can always uh, check you out on Twitter at the Eye of Gibson. Is that correct? You betcha. All right, that's great, guys. Lots of chicanery uh, and skullduggery going on, and I appreciate you having me back. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, you know, Fastlane's coming up next, I think, the WWE Fastlane. So if you're around for that, maybe we can knock that one out. Let's do it. Sounds good. All right, guys, thanks once again for listening to us. Uh, we only had what we had to work with. I couldn't do any more than what they gave us. And uh, so so it is what it is. And if you disagree with our opinions, hey, that's up to you. But I can't, you know, if you're defending this, then you're you're some blind sheep to the AEW party. I just, I can't do it. And uh, we did, I did, you know, I made a couple comments last night on Twitter and I woke up today and I lost about five followers because of those comments, I guess. Just speaking my mind. But and it is what it is, and you got to do what you got deal with what you get dealt, <laughs> whatever. But uh, for Ray Russell and the Eye of Gibson, we appreciate you guys listening to us here on the Power Hour. We'll be back again, I guess, with with Fastlane. Is that right? Sounds good to me. I'm in. All right, sounds great. So you hear heard it here, folks. The Eye of Gibson shall return with WWE Fastlane here on the Power Hour. Mm-hmm.